Recordist, the podcast where we talk all about designing and living life as an extraordinary artistic visionary, discussing inspiring and creative ideas around making music and art that creates an impact in the world. On this podcast, we hang out with musicians, songwriters, artists, producers, and all manner of artistic visionaries to connect with them and gain insights that provoke our greatest creative breakthroughs. I'm your host, John Stinson, a Nashville-based producer, recording engineer, and mixing engineer, a collector of experiences, a lifelong learner, a lifelong teacher, and an artist in my own right. And I welcome you to another episode of The Modern Recordist. If you're not subscribed, make sure you get subscribed. And the best way to do that is to open up your iPhone and fire up the podcast app and search for The Modern Recordist and click or tap that little subscribe button there. And if you're not an iPhone user, or iTunes user, or any of that, uh, you can always go to johnstinson.com where I post every episode and um, keep you uh, keep you updated there and make sure you subscribe to the email list while you're on that site because there will be more ways to listen to this show in the very near future and I'll be able to make sure that you never miss an episode. So today, my guest is somebody that I met, another person that I met at the uh, CD Baby DIY Musicians Conference. And so... This is like the, um, I think the like fourth or fifth person that I've been able to connect with that at that conference and bring them on to the podcast. And uh, it's been great. It's been a great experience to be able to connect with a lot of people at that conference, which at this point was, um, I think, a couple of weeks ago. And by the time that this podcast rolls out, um, it, it will, some time will have gone by. But in any case, it's kind of turned into a series featuring people you know, this is all kind of off the cuff, impromptu stuff, but but uh, turned into a series featuring people that I met and connected with at the DIY Musicians Conference uh, because there's just so many great connections that were made there. So, and another guest that uh, that's from that time span, and um, he's been so gracious as to allow us to record this episode out of his studio here in Nashville. And he's even uh, serving as uh, engineering duties on this episode as well, which is great. This is awesome because I think it's uh, it's been a while since um, I haven't had to pull double duty as host and engineer. So it's nice to be able to kind of just sit back. I'm sitting in a nice, easy chair over here, relaxing chair, and uh, with this nice, fancy mic stand. And uh, all I all I have to do is sit here and talk. So that's a nice uh, that's a nice 
break from the usual. But my guest today is somebody that uh, he's a producer, an engineer, and we connected, as I mentioned, at the CD Baby DIY Musicians Conference and quickly um, had gotten into some great conversation about creativity and making records and, you know, uh, really quickly figured that I wanted to bring this guy onto the show and have a great conversation He's somebody that uh, has moved here fairly recently into Nashville and brought his music production work down here and originally from Philadelphia running uh, Essex Studio for uh, more than 10 years up there. And so um, he runs Overbrook Music here out of of Nashville and uh, does a lot of... um, you know, does his, does the the music production gig down here in Nashville. So, without any more blabbing on, friends, please welcome to the Modern Recordist my guest today, Chris Silverio. Hey, John, dude, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for bringing us into your studio today and letting us uh, hang at your at your space and and uh, do this show, man. It's gonna be fun. No, it should be. Yeah, it's cool. That's what this. That's what this gear does. It, yeah, man. You, you get to record on it, and that's the whole. Uh, that's the whole spirit of the modern recordist is to be able to do things like this and be able to hang out at other people's spaces. In addition to you know hosting at my space, but being able. There's been a number of times where we've gone out and done some episodes at other people's studios, and um, I noticed that you have tape op hanging out over here. Yes. And that is, um, I, you know, part of the, 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 the spirit of this show is very, very inspired by tape op and what the guys over there have kind of put together and built and, um, you know, the, the, the types of kind of the, the angle, the, 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 the create sort of like the focus on creativity of making records and record production and that kind of stuff. And I was really inspired by that and I wanted to kind of embody that on my podcast as well. So I, I figure coming into other people's spaces from time to time and just really being able to uh, shine a light on what it's like to be a modern recordist, you know, in the current age of Pro Tools and the internet and, you know, ultra connectivity and all that stuff. So, um, so this is perfect, man. This is like exactly what the essence of the show is all about, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we met at the DIY conference yeah. and, and, uh, I think especially in Nashville right now. In fact, I think I, I saw a, uh, a YouTube special from Rolling Stone and it was about the DIY attitude in Nashville, mm-hmm. how, um, this underground DIY kind of get it done. However you can get it done. Mm-hmm mentality mm-hmm. is I guess a byproduct of so many people moving to Nashville and yeah. so many musicians moving yeah. here that you know we all don't get to fit in the same country bucket or yeah. or bluegrass right. bucket yeah. or whatever bucket yeah um but we all like it here yeah. so we're going to try and figure out a way to to get our totally. stuff done yeah totally man and I've always been DIY I mean just I just liked him. My father was a con. He was a contractor. He built stuff. So, yeah. So I, yeah, yeah. I like to build stuff. Yeah, that's killer. I, yeah, I'm. I'm the. I'm. Uh, I'm similar. As like you know, I'm very inspired by the DIY w- approach. You know, and I, I, uh, I, f- I just have always been. You know, somebody who uh, there's there's kind of two ways. I've been actually in a lot of conversations like this recently about how 
it was kind of like there's these two two sort of like main schools of thought when it comes to thinking about the internet and the disruption of the music industry, you know, and we're going on now something like close to 20 years of where the music industry was just sort of like disrupted by the internet and Napster and downloading all this kind of stuff. And there's kind of like two ways to look at that. And there's like the group of people who look at it like, um, what are we going to do to mitigate losses? This is terrible. You know, our industry is screwed. We're all screwed. And then there's the other people that are looking at it like, oh, wow, now we can do all this cool stuff that we couldn't use to be able to do. And now we can, there's a lot more options for us to sort of get our music out and distribute it or be able to connect with people and work with people. And I find myself in that second group. You know, I feel like for me, it's, um, I wouldn't have necessarily had a seat at the table in the music industry as an audio engineer and sort of and working in record production and things if um, if that sort of the Internet hadn't kind of happened and disrupted the industry. You know right. what I mean? Well, it leveled the playing field. Yeah. So, you know, the my PC is just as powerful as your PC yeah. and your Mac. And so I can do stuff that, you know you can do yeah big studio yeah if that's who we're talking yeah. to um but i also know that those studios need they need to exist right you know, i need i don't have a you know two thousand square foot room that i just get to do drums in yeah <laughs> so right. i need a I need an ocean way. I need a blackbird. I need these guys with yeah. big rooms that I get to go use. But yeah. and that's kind of how it goes anymore these days. You you go to a big room to do what you need into a big room, right? Or use that board if right. you want to use those right. ends, right? But then it all pretty much goes back to someone's yeah. someone's basement. Yeah, totally, totally. Someone's and, bed, <laughs> yeah, somewhere. It's, yeah, totally. It's like it it literally is somebody's basement. I mean, it, that's it's crazy. Like. Um, you know, the projects that I've worked on that I've had the fortune to be able to include in my credits. And, you know, these are in some cases, a few of these records are very critically acclaimed, very well-known records. And uh, they were mixed in somebody's basement studio. And that's the reality of the modern age today. And I think that's what's so cool. I had, um, I had, um, the first guest that I had on in this like podcast relaunch, mm -hmm. you know, the first guest that I had on was actually Larry Crane from Tape Op. And it was great to talk to him because I was just, because I, I, I ran into him. I was like, dude, you know, I, I'm a fan of the magazine and we talk, we end up talking about it a lot. It comes up a lot on the podcast. It'd be fun to have you on the show. He goes, I'd love to do it. And it was just great to be able to sit down with him and just talk to him about that spirit because. I love how tape op, you know, when you flip through the magazine, he, they make sure to feature that side of the music industry. It's like, here's a Grammy award winning guy who's making these badass records in his house and he's doing it at his house. And so it's like, some of it might be at some world-class studio or something, but then there's a very considerable portion of the record that's done, right. you know, at the house, at his house, at his basement studio, or in his sort of like living room nook or something, you know? And, and it, and, and people would say, well, why, you know, why, why, why do that? Well, um, if you, if I want someone who's going to work on my stuff that knows the room they're in. Yeah. 
So if they know that room and they know how to mix in that room, then you're going to get pretty much the best out. Yeah. The best out of them. Yeah. Um, I know people go from uh, room to room, but for mixing, um, you know, just knowing your environment. And, yeah. And uh, somebody had asked me about monitors one time. Mm-hmm. And they, they said, do you like these XXX monitors? Yeah. And I said, well, I, I yes, but that doesn't really, it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. It, um, because... I need you need to know not only what your monitors give you, but you also need to know what your monitors don't give you. Yeah. So you need to know your room, your yeah. environment, what you're not getting. Um, and someone else might come in and listen to your setup and be like, "Wow, that kind of doesn't sound weird." But I've able, you know, we're able to compensate with our ears right. what we're listening yeah, to totally. for what's not there. Yeah. Um, so knowing your system is what you want. Yeah. So if that's where these guys, if that's where you need to work from, then that, that's going to give you yeah, the best absolutely. output. And totally. to me, the song is always king or queen, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to, it should tell us what, what to do. It should right. tell us where it should live and, and how it should sound and what it should look like. And uh, it should tell at least someone. Right. Yeah, totally. That has a clear view of how this thing is supposed to sound. Right. And that's usually the producer or co-producer. Right. So you agree, hey, man, that's the target. Let's let's try and hit that. Right, for sure. Yeah, there's so many things to be said for you know being able to work that way. Um, I just think there's so many advantages. And, um, you know, I mean, the Internet plays a role in that. But, uh, you know, certainly, um, certainly just the advancement in in affordable technology in general you know the hardware that we use now you know and then but it's just you know on the artist side and it's just such an interesting place you know on the artist side and, and the conference was so and that's what the conference was all about you know what i mean just like yeah. just just the like dare i say i guess you know celebration of that and being able to um share in the sort of mindset and and you know hey here's what's working for me and it's been repeatable in this instance this instance this instance let me share that with you and teach it to you so it's just a really cool thing on the artist side you know to be able to uh sort of like be empowered that way and by proxy you know people like you and me who are partnering with artists and working with artists you know and it just uh it empowers us as well you know so um, I don't know. That's I, I. I tend to look at it from that optimistic viewpoint. I don't know if if you share in that at all. Uh, I know? do. That yeah. that well, just that conference, and I, um, I'm not that conference or a conference like it. But I, I've not been to a conference like it, so I can't tell you who yeah. who the other conferences are. But yeah, I can yeah. tell you that the CD Baby DIY conference was was. Um, I think it's. It's essential, yeah, for today's artists. Yeah, whatever you're doing, um, you need to know how to use um, social media as a tool, as a as an actual tool, just like a microphone, mm-hmm. just like a studio. But you need to use social media as a tool 
because that's where you want you know that's where you get in front of people that's how you get your name in front of people in order to then go play in front yeah, of people right so how are you going to do that well here are all these people that have figured out a way for them to do it but they're also willing to say here's how i did it and we think it can we're pretty sure that this is actually going to apply to everybody because there's a a uh, uh there's a common theme that we that we kind of did over and over and over and that's what yeah that's what helped us out right so if you're an, if you're an artist of any on any uh level that conference or a conference like that i think is is pretty key yeah to um understanding how do you function as an artist in today's basically the, the music paradigm the, the paradigm yeah. has shifted it yeah. is, it's gone the old way is gone yeah um and now we're all trying to figure out how how does the new how's the new paradigm work yeah and when you're trying to figure stuff out you 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 make mistakes and you hit on gold and you you figure out your way down this kind of in this road right and these people are up there telling you hey this works um plus there's a lot of practical stuff there there was copyright stuff yeah um there was uh, sound exchange stuff Mm -hmm. um so it wasn't just yeah there was even like mindset stuff you know like there was actually somebody that i that i had on this podcast um was one of the presenters um um Polanski, Suzanne Polanski, um, she, but she, she's the artist calls, uh, the rock star advocate is, is, is her, okay. her thing. And, and it's a lot of just kind of, you know, mindset stuff and like discipline, discipline type stuff and an approach to kind of like she, her present presentation was about, uh, the musician as an entrepreneur. So just like getting people to go, okay, look, you think of yourself as this entrepreneur. Okay. And then in that world, here's a lot of the sort of like the challenges, like these lifestyle challenges that are going to end up kind of becoming potential, you know, roadblocks to things. And just talking about what resonated with me so much is just the, just just like she's gone into talking about burnout and stuff like that, which is something that I've dealt with like personally in my life, you know? And, um, and it's something that I try to, to get out there and kind of advocate as well because it's just such a prevalent thing like you're a musician on the road you know playing all these shows going on the road playing late nights you're in the studio working late you know like it's it's very common to be working you know doing um you know 10 to 6 kind of sessions in Nashville and Mm -hmm. and and you know when I was coming up as an assistant that meant that like I would need to be at the studio at like 8 a.m. setting up and then I oftentimes wouldn't go home from the studio until somewhere around midnight or in some cases, you know, there would be even like late night hip hop sessions that would book in that I, that I wouldn't maybe go home till 8 a.m. And that was like end up being, you know, a common thing and then getting on the road with a band and just like suffering from burnout and stuff. And so there was a lot of that at the conference, too, that I really resonated with a lot of just like practical stuff like you said you know it was really useful right. and and that's and you're getting burnt out on something that you started everyone starts doing this because they and they just love yeah. doing it they enjoy yeah. it there's something they get yeah. from it yeah and then at some point it'll 
how does it how do you manage it so it doesn't right. turn into the thing that you're now sometimes kind of dreading to do exactly like that exactly. music shouldn't not be yeah. like that yeah it's crazy it's crazy when you when you get to that point i remember there was there's been a few points where i've been like that i remember my first when i first got hired on as an assistant and i was working until you know i was going home i remember driving home at 2 a.m and it was like the third night in a row that I was driving home at 2 a.m. and hadn't really seen the sun all day and really been outside or whatever. And I just remember thinking, like being kind of despondent, going, is this it? Is this what I really want to do? Is this what I really want to do? Like, is this what this job is? Is this what 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 the next three decades of my life or four decades of my life is going to look like? You know, and it was a it was a weird time for me to just sort of, you know, it was like just one of those moments for me. You know what I mean? I thought this was going to be so much fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, so how, um, so, but you, you, you came down here, you said, we talked a little bit before the show and, and you made the move. It's just like been this year that you moved down here. Is that right? Um, I've been here for over uh, two, over two years. Oh, okay. Okay. But the first year was, um, getting another company kind of up and running. Okay. Second year was kind of getting me up and running. Yeah, gotcha. And going. Um, but so when you produce it, so my, in my head, if I want to be a good producer, um, I want to be a good engineer. Mm-hmm. I want to be a good recording engineer. I want to be a good mix engineer. Yeah. I'm not going to be a good mastering engineer because to me, that's an entirely different beast. And those guys, I will always defer to to, to mastering guys. Um, And also, you know, that um, I'm a, I'm okay, you know, I'm okay giving stuff up to someone else and saying, Hey man, I I need another flavor in this stew kind of a thing. And, and, you know, they do it well. So the, um, if, if I wanted to really be good, a good producer, then I want to be around good writers. I want to know how yeah. to write a good song. Yeah. And um, not that I didn't write before, but if I was going to be a deep sea fisherman, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to move to like right. Indiana. Sure. I, mean, I You need to yeah. go where the writers right, are. Right. Go where the good writers are. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like in sports, like uh, in tennis, they always tell you to play up. So you play against someone yeah. who's way better than better right. than you. Yeah. That's the only way you're going to get better. So you want to be a good writer? You got to go where the writers yeah. are. Um, you yeah. Know, there's a there's a bunch of places, but Nashville is it's uh always been known as a writer's town. Totally. I think Nashville is um is is really kind of the place now. I mean, more people, more and more people. I mean, cuz so, first of all, there's so many people moving here every day there's some crazy stat that i hear all the time 100 people something like that 100 people a day something like that yeah and it's hard for me to believe so let's just say it's it's just it's just crazy astronomical number right and there's so many people you know those are all kinds of different people but there's a substantial amount of those people who are who are coming here for to pursue music and so, you know, when I'm having conversations with people that I'm working with in the studio for the first time, we're just, you know, chit-chatting about stuff. And there's been a number of people, you know, that were like session players that moved here from L.A. and 
they're like, you know, yeah, I was out in LA. I was funny enough. They were like one guy was telling me he was working at a tennis club, you know, but he was also doing session work. He was trying to get networked in out in LA and he was good at tennis and he knew how to instruct tennis and like he was a coach, but he also, so that was like, okay, I know how to play tennis. I'm good at it. But also just so happens there's a lot of producers and people that are a member of this particular tennis club. So I'm going to go get a job here, rub elbows with these producer guys and try to get session work and stuff. He said, you know, there was one producer that was, that was a member of the club. And I was asking him, you know, I was like, he goes, uh, I'm new to LA and looking for work and all this. And the producer was like, well, move to Nashville because that's where the music business is now. The music business moved to Nashville, you know? So, (laughs) so it's apparently that's what's going on, you know? And it's the place to be, but that's what you're, so you're, you, you came down here. I came down here. Same reason. For that reason. Yes. It was, uh, yeah, I kind of sold the studio up there. Um, Said I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna do it again. Yeah, I was gonna come down and write. Only kept enough to, yeah, record and yeah. do, and but I'm a geek. I mean, I'm a studio rat. Yeah, um, I'm a geek. I the first studio I was ever in, I was 11 years old. Oh wow! And uh, uh, it was Sigma Sound Studios up cool. in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think Bowie had just recorded there. And uh, I think Young Americans. Cool. And um, it was one of those uh, moments. And when you're 11 years old, you have no idea that that's a moment. Right. You know, you have to kind of get away from it to see if it sticks with you, to see whether it's a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember standing in uh, the control room and looking out through the glass, big piano out there. And all these lights, just yeah. cool looking lights, yeah. cool looking knobs, and the smell of like, you know, iron oxide, ferrous oxide just coming off yeah. of the tape, the, all the all the dirt and dust that was burning off the tubes, yeah, from the Fairchilds and the every the everything else that was in the in the cabinets, um, and the smell, which is studios have these. At least back then, because you could do anything you wanted in a studio. <laughs> Nobody yeah. cared about smoke, right? Yeah, or yeah. anything like that. <laughs> so, but there's this thing that kind of hit me, and and in my brain somehow it was like, I know that's oxygen outside, outside yeah. those doors, outside there's oxygen, but this stuff in here, this is what I need to breathe. Yeah. Right. I don't. I don't. Even if it kills me tomorrow, I right. still want to yeah, breathe yeah, it right. because this is so cool. This yeah. is where, this is where I, this is where I want right. to be. Right. Um. And that, you know that's kind of a lucky thing. Not that I got to do that, <laughs> to make money. Um. But, um, for a long period of time. But I knew that that's where I always yeah, wanted to go back special to. About it. Yeah. Yeah. So you clearly made your way in, right? I mean, you, yes. you, you, you know, yeah. and, uh, and so then, um, uh, did you ever, that was Sigma sound you said. Right. That yeah. Was, yeah. But okay. I was only 11. At okay. So, 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 but then, then every other studio I went into after that, it was like, yes, it just re just confirmed yeah. the fact that this is, that's what I want to do. I want to push those things. Right. Yeah. Whatever those things are called. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to push those things up and down and make things louder and softer. Right. Yeah. 
I want to turn those knobs yeah. and I want to see what they do. Yeah. Um, because uh, I, I, you know, and part of that is because I got to grow up with music, a lot mm -hmm. of music. So um, having music constantly around my house was basically what kind of pushed me into, into were your, it. Were your, were your parents big music fans or did they play oh, yeah. music and yes. stuff? And Okay. My mother sang and it was really weird. So I'm Italian. I'm mm -hmm. from Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And we had a, a, a we had, we had a, I don't want to say, it wasn't a big house, but it was a, this big stone house, old house in Philadelphia. It's a twin, but we had like six bedrooms. Okay. And we had, uh, if you counted the basement, which people use, um, one, two, three, four floors. Okay. And Italian grandparents grew up with my grandparents living in the house. My parents, my two older brothers and older sister and myself. Mm -hmm. So if you walk through our house, um, on the first floor would probably be my grandmother and my mother, and they'd be listening to stuff like... Um, um, the Ink Spots and uh, Glenn Miller. Um, oh wow, Harry Jane, Harry James, um, the Andrews Sisters, uh -huh. uh, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin. Um, that kind of that 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 thing. My grandfather would be listening to Verdi and William Tell Overture on seventy eights. That he played seventy eights. Uh -huh. Uh, you walk up to the next floor where I was with my sister. My sister would be listening to Cat Stevens and Jackson Brown and Batdorf and Rodney, which uh, that's a if, – if people know who Batdorf and Rodney is, they should write into you. <laughs> cool. Um, uh, uh, Cat Stevens. And, uh, and I'd have my little record player and I'd be listening to the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, and trying to play my snare drum to – to the Beatles cool. and then I go up to the the next floor and I have two older brothers and one of them's listening to like Allman Brothers and Little Feet um, uh, Tchaikovsky Gino Vanelli wow. um, and then my other brother would be listening to stuff like Neil Sedaka and so it was just this multi-leveled yeah musical yeah, that's cool we had seven pianos at one time wow it's a kid. Yeah, I have this and I'm probably completely just way off but but it, I just suddenly had this um, vision of like the Royal Tenenbaums for some reason. You know what I mean? Because like their house had like four or five floors and there was all these different crazy things going on and each floor was like its own world, you know? So I just have this sort of storybook sort of uh, Wes Anderson version picture in my head right. of the story you just told, which well, is awesome. It's cool. We tried. Well, my brothers and sisters, we tried to keep our version from my parents. Yeah. So whatever that was, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We had our life <laughs> that we tried to keep from from our parents. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So then, uh, so yeah. you, so you ultimately yeah. ended up like you pursued a studio job somewhere, or oh, or? I worked in uh, I worked in a whole bunch of places. Yeah, but I always it was always music. I played in a whole bunch of bands, yeah. um, recorded a whole bunch of bands, um, but I did work in in. Uh, software industry, uh -huh. but even then, I did, I did video, like video stuff for the for the software. Okay, uh, I did audio stuff for anything I could do. I even did the on hold 
when people would call um, the company and they would get put on hold. Yeah. I created the music. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> That's killer. <laughs> That's killer. Yeah. I, um, I could have put subliminals in there, but I guess like, yeah, yeah. I didn't take advantage of that. <laughs> so yeah. then um, um, kind of left there and then started Essex and, and went back to kind of really what I wanted to yeah, do. Yeah, so that was the, you yeah. started that. That was your vision. Yes. That studio. Cool. Right. Up yes. in Philly. Up in Philly. Cool. Yeah. Outside of Philly. I'll be in Schwanks, Schwanksville. Okay. But uh, where the Folk Fest is, it's pretty cool. Cool. Um, and, um, you know, life kind of life kind of happens and, and um, you get to certain points where you have to decide, hey, um, what do I want to be doing when I die? Yeah. It's it's a really right. it's it's a kind of bizarre question. Yeah, but, and and it's not supposed to be morbid, but I don't mean at the moment. But <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what would you like to be doing in your life when you die? Right, isn't that where we kind of where we all want to totally. get to? Like we yeah. all want to retire, which is I want to retire. You know, I want to be retired. Yeah. Um, well, okay. I don't know if I really want to retire, but I'd really like to be doing something that I love doing. Right. Creating meaning, creating impact, like being do, pursuing something that is personally fulfilling and that you feel like makes a real meaningful impact positively to other people. You know, I mean, not to be overly dramatic or sort of cliche, but like more or less kind of building a legacy, I guess, you know, and that's definitely, I mean, however you really think about it, whether you think about it like, to to that degree or you just you know but yeah absolutely i mean you, you know you you want to be what do you want to be doing when you die yeah totally man yeah. i totally get it yeah, what, yeah. like it's it's a yeah what do you want to be doing um so music and yeah. i'm i'm i love music i love everything about music mm -hmm. i love the thinking thinking of it trying to get it from your brain to your fingers yeah. or whatever it is and then trying to get it to come out, trying to capture that, uh, then and trying to capture it accurately yeah. or in its best form, and then trying to reproduce that and bring it back so that people can enjoy right. what you just did. Yeah. Um, some people like accounting. I like that. Yeah, sure. Totally. <laughs> totally, man. I, you know, I, I, it's, it's a, it's a. It's a valuable thing in the world. Music. What do you What do you think that it is that draws you into that? Like, you know, what draws you into that particular thing? Like, you want to make music, you know? Like, why is it that thing as opposed to accounting? Why is it right, making I think it's music? That's, that's the free. That we all vibrated. Like, we all kind of exist in a frequency in in this frequency that we exist in. That's mm -hmm. why we kind of match up with some people and don't match up with yeah. other people. Yeah. And that's the that's the frequency I live. Yeah. In. You know, well, there's an REM. Wasn't an REM song? What's the frequency, Kenneth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a th that's. That's kind of where I live. And and I was around. I saw it. I, I got to play it. Mm -hmm. I got to watch people play it. Um, I had incredible teachers who didn't just necessarily teach me what keys to hit. Uh, my, my, my piano teacher, he gave me like this little piece of advice that was 
pretty benign, I guess, at the moment uh, when you're 10, 11 years old, however old I was. And uh, he's, he said, Chris, it's not it's not the notes that you're just only the notes that you're playing. It's the notes that you don't play mm. that are just as important. And I kind of thought I understood what he was talking about, but it took me a while to actually implement it mm -hmm. or apply it and see, okay, oh, don't play there. Oh, wow, that's cool. Um, yeah. That just did something completely different. Yeah. That I wasn't expecting to happen. Yeah. So that to me is what draws me in. And, and, being a drummer there's all these polyrhythms there's just there's just a million things you can do with a song yeah um and that's that's what draws me and that's the fun part is getting what's in your head or the artist or the client's head what's in your head to to come out of those speakers yeah, yeah. how do i how do you do that yeah i i I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's the that's what we do. We try and figure yep. out how do we do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you find like in the moment? You know, what is that process like for you? Like, what is that? What is that sort of? Um, I guess yeah, really. Like, what's the process? for you of going on that quest to find that thing and go, it's in my head and I want to express it out. What's, you know, what is that? What how do you, in, in my head? Or yeah, it's in, in your head or it's, or, you know, you know, maybe it's a song, maybe it's something that you're writing. Like, you know, I, I would perhaps that first, but I would also be interested in, you know, when you're working with an artist and they have, a thing in in their mind and you're trying to understand that but definitely like uh in my head is pr uh i definitely get it, it it's it can be one of three it's either frustrating or it's surprising or it's accurate i guess mm -hmm. so i don't know sometimes i don't know which one i prefer yeah because there's something in my head and i might not have the uh, we were we were kind of alluding to this earlier. I, I brought this up, but we didn't go into it. But and I might have a certain sound in my head that yeah. I want to happen here. Yeah. Um, I probably could find a sample. I could I could or but I, I it's in my head. Yeah. So I think how do how would I create that? How would I create that? Okay. Well, I'm gonna go take my kick drum. And I'm going to take my snare drum, and I'm going to go out to my garage, and I'm going to put my snare up against the the um, the front head of the kick drum, and I'm going to hit the batter head of the kick, and I'm going to record this huge reverbed sample. Like to me, I, that's all geeky stuff. Yeah. But to me, I'm like, I just created something that I needed, that I wanted to put here, and that's the sound that yeah. I think belongs there. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess it's a, a confidence in that you think, you think you know what's, what's right. Well, say right, but you think what, you know, what's supposed to go there. Yeah. And until someone gives you something better, 
And I will always take something better over something personal. To me, better is, oh, yeah, no, that I know I did that, and I liked it, but this is cooler. That, so we need to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, ego, ego needs to go. Yeah. <laughs> ego needs to go. It needs to be left at the front door. You can pick it up on the way out. Um, but y- you, you work for the song. Yeah. So just the trying to, f- to get what's in my head to come out uh, could, is actually probably more, is more frustrating for me than to get what's in someone else's head. Uh, because I am so, I get so tuned in and so specific that maybe I don't really give myself enough, enough leeway to be not exact. Uh-huh. Right. Um, it becomes sort of like too personal and you, and it, it's hard to sort of, I mean, you see it with artists all the time, right? It's like, especially I find at least when you're recording vocals with somebody and it gets to be this, can be sort of this arduous process of you trying to like you helping them to just sort of, you're too in your head, just sort of relax and it's trust, just trust the process and that what you think it feels like right now isn't necessarily how it is perceived by other people. And you're just trying to be that person to help them see that because they're, because I, I have had, you know, probably every single time, you know, that I work with a vocalist to record their vocals, it's kind of comes to a point which you kind of have to sit down and maybe have a heart to heart with them and say, trust me, this is killer. And I know that you're being really hard on yourself right now and you think you can do better. And maybe by some certain definition, you could, it could be better or whatever, but this is the way it needs to be. Cause it's, it's just perfect. It just fits right. It's just perfect. Right. And it's easy to sort of see that when you, um, are kind of like maybe the producer or somebody that you're like working with an artist. Right. Well, you that, know, that would be, that would be the role the, to me, yeah. that would be the role yeah. of the producer. Yeah. Right. Is, totally. Is you need to be the one that says, you know, yes, or you can do it better. I know, I know you can do right. it better. Right. Like I, right. I know what you can do. Right. And, or you're also the one that says, Hey, we, we got it. Like, we we got it. You want to do another one? Do another one. But mm-hmm. I'm telling you, we, you know, we're good. We got sure. it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, give yourself a break. And, totally. And, well, and then they'll come back. Well, I messed up. You know what? I want I want you to mess up. I want right. to crack. I want. Yeah. You know, I I, w- I want a crack in your voice. I I want to hear a crack in your voice. Just tells me there's emotion. You tried to do. You you were feeling something. You tried to do something. Um, I'm not saying a bad note, but but a. Uh, yeah, but a heartfelt, um, yeah, uh, growl. Yeah, something, something visceral, something human. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. and at that point, that's when someone gets to look in and say, "Oh, they were feeling something." Yeah, they were feeling something right there. Right. right. Or, or it's like I can't quite put my finger on what it is, but that performance is just so magic you know like oftentimes it becomes it's that it's like i'm not really sure how to articulate this but it makes me feel something 
you know, especially as like a music fan, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. But yeah. it's also interesting how, so there's all of that, right? As a producer and you're capable of working with people in that way to, to, to help them along this sort of this journey and pull them through. But then it's really interesting how when suddenly you're the person who's written the song and you're performing and everything, you're right there in that same space that they were in. And you need, you're unable to sort of like now you're, you find yourself being too hard, too clamped down, too, you know, too um, subjective to the experience. It's too personal. It's too close. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. And that's where, that's where I like Nashville mm-hmm. because Nashville, um, basically uh, promotes, um, encourages co-writing and encourages mm-hmm. cooperation. It just, you know, kind of... So I will always... Um, I will always bring someone else in. Yeah. If that's... If I'm doing that, then then I will pretty much bring someone else in yeah. or say, hey, here's what I did. I don't particularly like it, but let me know what you think. And, yeah. so I, and I've had people come back, yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not getting it, or uh, you could do that better. And then I would start thinking, you know what, I'm going to get someone else, I'm going to get someone else to do it, because um, what I'm trying to do, either my fingers aren't doing it, or I don't have the right sound, I don't yeah. have the right this, I don't have the right that, Um but if that's what I'm trying, if that's what I really want, and this is my my vision or what I want, if that's what I really want, then I'm going to go find the person that does it. Right. Yeah. And this is a great town to find people to oh, do yeah. stuff. So. Yeah. It's it's a it's an overabundance. It's crazy, <laughs> yeah. man. It's crazy. It is. Yeah. But it's a it's a cool town. It's a if. If you like music, this is just um, this doesn't exist in a whole lot of places. Right. Yeah. It's, it's uh, uh, and and a lot of people in Nashville kind of uh, they forget that or they grow used to it. They grow used to being able to go see. There's 15 things every single night that you could possibly go see. Right. 15 great, like, oh, yeah. really cool things yeah. and bands and people and players yeah. to go see every yeah. every single night. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, you, you kind of need to, you need to soak it up. You know, you're, you're, you're among top notch players down here. Totally. So, um, so, you know, step up your game Yeah. and see what you can do. Totally. And it's great because, you know, iron sharpens iron. So it's like you were saying, like with that tennis analogy, like play up and it's just you're totally like that's Nashville, you know. There's just so many world class musicians and songwriters and artists. You're going to be in a pool of people where you're definitely you're playing up, and they're gonna you know they're gonna you're you're gonna rise up to that level. You know what I mean? You're gonna surround your you be surrounding yourself with these world class people that that are gonna be influencing you to to this higher level of performance you right I mean? because they're writing up too yeah <laughs> they're, yeah they're everyone is always playing with someone who is better than them yeah so even though they you you think they're better better I, I hate that word but you think that they um are more accomplished than you mm-hmm. but they are thinking 
the same thing about someone else that they're right. they're playing with. Yeah. And Nashville is definitely a, uh, um, it's a it it's a supportive city. It's it's a hard city. Um, some people come to me and and uh, some people come to me and sorry, no worries. My Green Day is is, yeah, yeah. is interrupting us. No worries. Um, just so long as Green Day doesn't try to. Oh uh, yeah. Claim some sort of No, yeah, sorry, no. that was my that yeah, was my just ring. Just kidding. No um, worries. That was my alarm. My phone was off. Um So play uh, this is this is just it's just a cool city. It really is. It's a, it's a it's a fun city to be yeah. in. And um to get stuff done it the um people work with each other. Yeah. Um just in, just in business and everything if 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 someone comes to me and and they say i don't um uh can you do this for me i might say i don't probably i maybe i could but i know someone who would do a better job and i'm mm-hmm. going to hook you up yeah i'm going to you know i'll hook you up with them because i think that's really what you're looking what you're looking for yeah um and this city kind of runs the city seems to run like that yeah it's totally. It's a, it's a it's a it's a place where you 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 definitely it, it behooves you to just know a lot of people, you know, and just get to know and get, become friends with people in the industry and and it's a, for the most part pretty open door to a to pretty almost you know pretty much anybody in the industry and you know you're just literally building that network of people but sort of these friendships you know and people want to work with their friends you know we talked about i've talked about this on the podcast before it's you know people want to work with their friends that's what they want to see their friends succeed they want to do business with their friends because you know you know and people that they like to be around you know because if you're going to be doing work with the person you know on the project whether you are an A&R person that's working on a record with a producer, you know, or whether you are an engineer working with a producer or something, you know, and these, these, these projects, there's a lot of moving parts and you're going to be spending a lot of time together with right. people. You, you got to you know? hang, you got to hang with yeah, these people. Yeah, totally. And so you got to, you got to enjoy and truly vibe with the people, you know? And so Nashville is a cool town like that because it really is, easy to vibe with people here. It's an open door and it is like that. It is what you, way you describe it is, you know, it's like you build these, these relationships, you find people that you vibe with and vibe with them. And that, and this is a town where it's going to be like, Oh yeah, you know what? You need to know this guy. You got these, you need to know each other. And then you just, people hook each other up with, you know, and just like, cool, go do something cool now. You know? Yeah. Go do something cool. Go do something new. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a uh, so people would, but it's also a uh, honest would might be the word at least I try to mm-hmm. be. People would come to me and say, "Hey, I just can you listen to this song? Can you tell me what you think?" Bob, whatever it is, yeah. And that's just that's a big open book. Like, okay, yeah. well, do you want me? Uh, am I supposed to be listening for? Um, uh, audio am i supposed to be listening for how things were recorded you know mm-hmm. th- um 
how it was recorded, how it was mixed. Um, am I supposed to be, com- is it songwriting? Is it performance? Yeah. Like, that's a big, you yeah. know, hey, what do you think of my song? Like, right. well, what am I supposed to, con- <laughs> what, yeah. am I, what do you want me to comment on? Uh-huh. Um, but if I had friends, you know, people know you're in Nashville. Hey, hey, I got a song for you. Okay. And I would say, okay, well, I can give you two answers. I can give you the friend's answer, or I can give you the Nashville answer. Mm-hmm. And the Nashville answer is going to be way more business um, and targeted. So the first question would be, well, what do you want to do with this song? What's supposed to happen with this yeah. song? Because then that determines on right how you're going to respond. Yeah. But I've run into a lot of people who are very... Um, supportive, but yet honest. Right. Yeah. Polite. Yes. But they don't BS. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, uh, compress the drums more. Uh, you know what? There's too much low end. Uh, there, what's that weird? It just, it could be whatever, um, you know, uh, 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 the drum track wasn't grabbing me. Uh, what, whatever their response yeah. is. And I always take everything anyone says. Everything comes in, and then I make a decision, my own final decision. Right. Right. But there are some killer people in this town that have created some pretty cool records, and they know they know some stuff. Right. So take everything in and um, kind of put it into your your mix and decide what works for you and what yeah. doesn't work for you. But at least I've had people give me honest um, honest praise mm-hmm. and honest constructive criticism. Yeah. And that's that's cool. That's yeah. that's that's worth a lot. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't behoove anybody to just sort of, um, I'm not sure what the word would be, but sort of give them uh, false um, accolades, you know, when when a person is like, you know, well, this just kind of isn't ready for prime time. You know what I mean? Like, right. it doesn't, cool, like, and people like you and me, you know, we're, we're good at, Seeing, like, do you know? I, I do you know Ira Glass? You know that mm-hmm. uh, that This American Life, Ira Glass, right. and and and, and that yes. that that show. But there's he did a video that circulated around, or or, or was like an audio. Somebody pulled it from somewhere, and it was like a ended up being a YouTube video. And I love the video. It's it's just uh, I think if you if you went on YouTube and searched Ira Glass on taste this video would come up and he articulates this so well that he starts talking about, it's probably like a two minute video or something, maybe not even that long, but he starts talking about how he's like, you know, when you first set out as a creative and you're like creating your art and you know, you're writing whatever you could be writing something, you could be making music, you could be uh, uh, a photographer or something. But when you first set out to do it, you realize you come up against this, this, process where what you're creating is kind of like falling short 
of what you hoped for it or what you right. kind of like wanted it to be, you know, and you know that like what you're creating, like just isn't that good, but, but you, but you have good taste because you know, otherwise you wouldn't sort of know, like it's not somehow or another, not hitting this mark that you sort of have in your mind, you know? And so, so the core of it is like at the core of it, you have really good taste but what you're creating right now just isn't measuring up quite yet. And I think that people like you and me, you know, I I feel like one of my talents is to be able to recognize that and go, look, what you're creating right now, this permutation of it isn't quite ready. But within this, the essence of it, what's the core of it, what makes up the essence of it, I can tell is something and all that it's just right will be something more practice you just need to keep writing keep writing keep writing keep writing keep writing totally (laughs) uh yes it's it's um uh i i have this saying in my head and i'd love to take credit for it i just don't know where it came from Uh (laughs) i probably stole it from someone (laughs) as we are known to do yeah yeah in the music business but uh it's this this thing in my head is like uh, perfection is the only thing worth failing to achieve. Mm. I like that. Perfection is the only thing worth failing, failing to, to achieve. achieve. That's that's one of those things. There's a lot of ways you, that could be taken. There's like there's a lot of ways to think about that. But that's yeah, that's right. Good. We're never gonna hit. It. We're not. Yeah. We're just. We're not gonna hit it. But if we're trying to get close, it's we're. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. We're just we're always trying to get better. Yeah, you know, it's like the whole yeah. the whole arrow. If I the whole metaphysical, if I shoot an arrow from me to you, theoretically, it should never hit you because it has to go from me to you, but it has to go halfway first, mm-hmm. right? Then, in order to go halfway, it's got to go halfway to halfway, a quarter of yeah. the way. Yeah, and then it's got to go halfway to the quarter of the way so that's yeah. an eighth whatever that is yeah right um, and it just ha- you just can keep you can keep bringing down this this distance infinitely so the arrow should never actually ever leave and get to you because <laughs> it's got to do these things first so trying to achieve perfection which we're never going to hit at least we're trying to achieve yeah. a high level of something it just takes Depending on what you're doing, um, it just takes some time. Chris Silverio getting uh, metaphysical up in here on the podcast tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's sorry. Yeah. No, uh, sorry. no, that's awesome, man. I mean, I we can go down that rabbit hole. I was actually listening to a podcast on the way out here that it's all about metaphysics, and this is something that I've interested myself in. Uh, you know, it's just like a little thing that one of those things I I distract myself with and from time to time try to understand it. But I just sort of re- resolved today to just go, look, I'm just never going to really understand the metaphysical. This is it's it's 
it's nuts, you know. But <laughs> it's it's I mean, is that a, it, wait is that a is that a quote from Einstein the metaphysical? Right. Yeah, the it's meta, nuts. The metaphysical. It's nuts. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I think it's a book by Einstein. Yeah, Albert right, Einstein. Right. The metaphysical. Exactly. It's nuts. Yeah. yeah. Maybe was, I could. Maybe I could write that book. It was co-authored by Mel Brooks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that perfection you know you were talking about perfection and it's like one of those even like what i was thinking was even that term perfection is one of those sort of nebulous terms kind of like success i want to be successful well that's a very nebulous term you can like what does that even really mean right i mean like you know and 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 my success is different than your success my definition of success yeah exactly and so like perfection what does that mean because like to jack white perfection means one thing and you know to like to john um, stinson it means something else To john stinson it means something totally different right you know so uh so but does it but that's that's the point but we're if we're trying to get to this target, um, whatever it is, we hear a certain vocal. Mm-hmm. We hear this song, and we hear, "Wow!" Um, when I, I, I don't know what happens with you, but when I hear a song that I connect with, that I'm kind of like, "Oh, cool!" Um, it's almost like it kind of explodes in front of me and I see um, I see a stage almost. So mm. kind of the, the stereo, the mixing stage, so to speak. Yeah. So there's left and right. Obviously, there's left and right channels in stereo, but um, there's also up and down mm-hmm. and, and there's front and back. Yeah. And I see where the cello goes and if their cello is in the sure. song, but <laughs> where where this goes, where that guitar goes, where this riff goes, where where the drums go, where um background vocals are panned. It just kind of like blooms into yeah. this into this thing. And um now I might try and get to this thing, because this is my perfect this is my perfect uh, impressionist painting of of this song yeah. in my head. This is my perfect how I think this song should get. But um, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to hit every every mark there. Yeah. Um, and that's when you kind of have to be okay with, um, you know what I was trying. I was trying to get there. That was my picture. That was my picture of the song. I was trying to get there, but but the song was was kind of pulling me yeah. this other direction and that's where it ended up going and damn it's you know it's pretty cool yeah like sort of being present to the moment of just allowing the song to sort of um take shape how it needs to and just allowing letting go of your preconceived notions or maybe like what you were saying earlier about the ego like knowing when to sort of like check the ego so that you can get out of the way Right, I mean, yeah. is that kind of is that kind of what you're? That's Just the way it hits the power, me. Man. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, if, um, and 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 this is gonna sound, I know this is gonna sound really weird, but even with an artist, it's almost like I look at the artist and say, 
I care about you as a person. I do. I care about you, and, and I want the best for you. But, it, but the song we are doing is it's it's comes before you, and mm-hmm. and definitely comes before me. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I know if if we get this song right, you're gonna be happy. Right. And that's my job. Yeah. So. If my job is to try and make you happy with the end product, then I'm going to use every avail. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make that happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's that's where all the producer tricks come in, and and um, uh, all the <laughs> all the uh, ways to to I don't want to say manipulate. But to coax or get the best yeah. performance out of right, yeah, that session yeah. that you're in, right, right. Who who are some of your who are some of the the the, the producers that have sort of influenced you and shaped you and inspired you? Oh wow. Um, uh, it's it's kind of a, this this growing list. I. I I kind of hang on someone, and and then I, everybody from Al Schmidt to got Eddie Offord, who did Yes, mm-hmm. um, to was it Hugh Hugh Padham did um, the Police, um, then up to Butch Vig. Mm. Um, now you speak my language big time, right there. Yeah. Um, there's Sylvia Massey. Yeah. Um, I'm a big, um, uh, Andy Johns guy. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have the Lord Algae. So you've got, you have, um, Chris Lord Algae, yeah. but then you have Tom Lord Algae. Yeah. Um, you get up to Manny Moroccan. Um, there's just, there, uh, there's a, there's, you know, um, Vance Powell. Yeah. Um, I, I could just, you know, uh, I always get his name wrong. Um, Jaquir King. Yeah, Jaquir. Jaquir King. Jaquir yeah, yeah. King. Yep. Um, it's, you just, I just keep, I keep learning. I keep learning. I keep learning from everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, but remember, I have, I have this kind of, this background into hearing um, and growing up with music that I got to hear really um, producers that really kind of, I don't know how to explain it, um, worked worked with what they had yeah. and made what they had really right. well. So when I'm listening to, you know, really early Frank Sinatra album which is you know an rca 44 whatever right you know in the middle of a room and listen to how that that recording was recorded um there was no there was no comp tracks yeah (laughs) right yeah yeah right there was one take yeah if a fire engine went by oh well we got to redo it and reset 
Um, or maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, you know, maybe you don't redo oh, it. Oh, yeah, maybe know? you don't redo yeah, it. It's like, yeah. oh, that's, that takes too magic. I don't care if there's a fire truck on it. We're just, that's what's, we're going to keep that one. You know? Right. Yeah. Can yeah. you imagine a day in the life if somebody said, oh, uh, the piano bench squeaked at the very end? Because, you yeah. know, they hold that chord really, yeah. really long. Yeah. And then there's a piano bench squeak. And, every, and I remember turning up the thing, trying to listen for that piano yeah. bench squeak. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I, um, Get like mixing. There's Andrew Sheps. Um, I ju- I kind of just I soak it up. I soak up every everybody's yeah. whatever they have to say. Yeah. Um. So as far as getting influence, I'm influenced by everyone. I everyone I come across. I just I have this drive by truckers album. Uh-huh. It's called the Dirty South. Uh huh. And it's an older album. I think uh, Jason Isbell is still with, was in the band yeah. in that. Yeah. And the guy's name is Barr, B-A-R-E. Don't know him very okay. well. But that like that album, just that album, I listened fine. It took me probably, I don't know, 10 years, 7, 10 years to actually get into a, a, a mindset that I could hear, I could... I could actually understand this album. I, I've had it forever, and I would put it on and put it on, and it, I didn't, I wasn't in the right headspace. Yeah. And then one day I put it on, and I'm like, wow, this is this uh-huh. album is this is produced really, really well. Yeah. Um, stuff like songs. There's a song called Tornado, and they put this, they play the snare drum, and it's a single hit on the snare. But there's this, di- there's a delay on the snare, and when he hits the snare, it sounds like a train, and that's one of the lines in the song about oh, it. Cool. And, and the tornado yeah. sounded like a train, but there's a delay on the snare, and I'm like, that's brilliant. That is this snare, this one snare hit is doing and creating the entire vibe of this song. Yeah. Um, to me, that's great producing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, for sure. That's and it's an it's an incredible album. So, um, I listen, I listen, and then I'll listen to like Depeche Mode's new album. Yeah. Um, it's killer. If anyone has ever tried to actually record everything with synthesizers, they're really hard to record and get clear and get this big fat bottom end out of yeah. them. They did it with yeah. with the new one. Yeah. Um, so. Um, yeah. <laughs> cool, man. No, I like what you said about um, what resonates with me. Really, you got such a wide. You have such a wide, you know, range there that you uh, people that you mentioned, and and and, it, and just definitely a lot of that resonates with me. You know, and particularly what you said about um, people who work with just kind of like what they have and they make a killer record just working with what they have, you know? And when you read any of the great interviews, you know, by the, the legendary people, the Glenn Johns and the whatnots, these people, um, or any books or whatever, where they're interviewed, you know, they all say that, right? You always work with what I have, you know? And, um, and I, I was able to, I think, you know, working, I've gotten to work with personally with some people that have that, you know, philosophy and taught me that. 
and it's always something that's been it's always like really resonated with me. Like like um for example, Jakir, I I'm good friends with him and and I did a few records with him a number of years back and um I remember he he did uh he did the uh Tom Waits Mule Variations record. You know, he did a few Tom Waits records. Mm-hmm. But he was talking to me one time we were in the studio working together and we had some downtime. He was talking to me about some um, some of the Tom Waits experiences, you know? And I'm just like, and Tom Waits, you know, man, that's the quintessential, like, that's exactly the quintessential example of what I'm talking about. Like, you know, we're going to just string, like, there was this sort of what he was talking about was there was this notion where you just need to have, you need to be ready because Tom is going to be, when it's on, it's on and you need to be ready. And so if that means you're like, happen to be outside in the smoke pit, right have a mic there because tom might be like yeah let's just do the vocal right here and boom we're gonna we're singing right now you know and and so just this this notion of just sort of like you know always be um just ready and just working with whatever you have just like it doesn't matter just record it like he said Shakir told me that one time he was like you know working it was on a tom waits record you know and they were doing something. I don't know. He was tweaking on stuff, and he said that Tom Waits came up and said, "Quit engineering." You know, like just yeah, quit engineering. Just quit. Like like record this music, dude. You know, and and um, that's that's something that that like resonates with me. You know, and you were talking about people that just work with what they have, and I think that that's always been something that I've always strived to 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 be like that. Like right. whatever. Like I remember when I was in college. And for a while, I was a music major trying to learn, you know, become some sort of like world class classical and jazz guitar player or whatever. You know, I didn't graduate. I, I, I changed my major and graduated under something else. But I remember being in class in these guitar classes and 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 the teacher would say, uh, all right, he would just pick some random guy, you know, all right, come down here. And play the material that you've been working on this week in front of everybody. Just boom, do mm-hmm. it. And so he go, okay. So he start playing the material. And if whoever was really good and just nailing it, like they have really practiced the material and they really know it, right? The teacher would walk over while the kid's playing, grab his string and just tune it down. Just put it out of tune. Now you can't use that string. So you're playing a solo. That string's gone. Figure out how to play that solo without that string. Oh, you're pulling it off. Good. Now that other string is out of tune. <laughs> Until you get down to like two strings, you know. And then he pulls the sheet music yeah, away. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> but you know, and it, it's just like yeah. um, that, Le- that spirit. Use, learn to use what you have. Yeah. You know, um, I was I made myself. Um, you know, everyone used to talk. Everyone would talk about oh. Um, LA-2As, 1176s, LA-2As, 1176s, LA-2As, 1176s. All right, great, great. Everyone talks about them. Does everyone really actually know how to use one of them? And I spent a lot of time, like with an LA-2A, and turning the knob in just minute amounts and seeing what happens and seeing exactly happens as it's turning a little bit at a time because... There are some really cool things you can do with this stuff, yeah. but you've got to almost know every position that that knob yeah. goes in. But if you know that piece of gear, 
really well. You know where your sweet spot is or yeah. where you think its sweet right. spot is. And where it's not so sweet spot is. Because, you know, if I'm doing a punk record, um, I might want, you know, that not so sweet spot. Right, yeah. Um, and, but I know how to play that piece of gear. And if you know your stuff really well, I'm, I've got... <laughs> I've got hundreds and hundreds of plugins, um, but there are some that I just know really, really well, yeah. and they're the ones that I kind of reach for all right. the time, right? Because yeah. I know how to play them. I know how yeah. to make them be musical. Totally. I, and so it's not how much gear you have, but knowing what to do with your gear in a musical fashion. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we're... That's where we're trying to get to. Yeah, is a is a sure. musical something. Yes, absolutely. That's killer, man. I think that's probably a great way to end it, man. Like that's where we're trying to get to—a musical something. You a know? musical something, and uh, and the journey continues. You know. Yes. Well, so, the last people say, hey, "What's the best song you wrote?" I said, "Well, I haven't written it yet, and I it'll probably be the last song." Um, and the same thing with the producing or mixing. What's the le- what's the best one you've done? It'll be the one I do before I go. Yeah, because that'll be at that point the culmination of everything I've learned. There you go. That's what's up. Awesome, man. This was a great conversation. This was a great hang, and I want to thank you again for you know let me come crash here and bring the show here and you being the engineer on the show tonight and <laughs> you know <laughs> having a great I, I came uh, at it from a big live from the live from a live engineer standpoint I pushed the faders up and I just set and forget and I walked away yeah yeah <laughs> well it works it's awesome man but we had a great conversation and uh, it was, it's been great connecting with you man and I look forward to staying connected and continuing the conversation Likewise. Um, yeah, man. Awesome. Uh, where um, where can people follow up with you and find out more about you? And uh, Overbrookmusic.com is probably the best way cool. to get in touch with me. Killer. And, uh, um, yes. Uh, hit me up. Let's talk. I'm a talker. I talk, I will, I'll talk to you. And I'm a, I'm a people person. So it's a, uh, if we vibe, if we communicate, then let's make music. Awesome, man. Killer. All right, there you go, friends. Another episode of The Modern Recordist is out there. This fall has seen us come off a long recess. I'm sort of kind of starting to get the hang of doing this show again, working hard to bring you a whole bunch of new episodes through the end of this year with insightful conversations from inspiring guests talking all about making music and art and how to thrive in your creative lifestyle. I feel it's important to take a second here at the end of each episode to express my gratitude to you for being a listener of the show. Early October marked the return of The Modern Recordist with the first batch of new episodes in over a year, and the response has been incredible. So I'm very grateful and feeling extremely fulfilled at your dedicated listenership and your support of this podcast. It gives the show purpose. I truly am inspired by the connection it's built. It's been awesome to have so many people respond in such a positive way. Thanks for all the comments and emails from new listeners and veteran listeners letting me know that you're glad the modern recordist is back. 
If I've not heard from you, please reach out. I'd love to know more about you, how you found out about The Modern Recordist, and what you've gotten out of listening to the podcast. And this is the perfect way to tell you about our all-new website dedicated to The Modern Recordist. This is the place on the internet that is going to serve as the home base for the podcast from here on out. Check it out at modernrecordist.com. Here you can check out all the episodes we put out to date. You can hit the contact page and send us a message. And if you're a brand new listener, you can check out the Start Here page we've set up for you to get familiar with the show. But most importantly, make sure you enter your email address using any of the forms you will find all over the site. This way, we will make sure you never miss an episode and you're in the loop on all the latest and greatest that has to do with the modern recordist. All right, friends. Synthesizers and fuzz boxes blasting to you from Nashville. Here's to making great music through the final days of 2017. That's it for this week. There's more for you next week. And in the meantime, go live your life with an extraordinary artistic visionary and create music that impacts the world. (laughs) 